welcome to another episode of the Hot Hot Hoops Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Inferno, joined always by my co-host, Matt Hannafin. But we are here, joined today by one of Hot Hot Hoops' real OGs, senior writer, Matt Pineda. Matt, say what's up, man. What's up, everybody? Glad to be here. Glad to have you. Glad to have you. Usually, it's just me and Matt, um, you know, just uh, going off each other and uh, talking a bunch of uh, bunch of bull uh, around Miami Heat, but... Um, Mr. Matt Hannafin, senior writer Matt Hannafin, needs to uh, take his medicine because um, Kevin Love signed. I get it. All right, all right, all right. I got. No, it. I did. I need to public shame. <laughs> Matt, when a player says that he's going to play for one team his entire career, mm-hmm. he doesn't always mean it. And you know, look, we're still uh, we're still days away, could be weeks away from seeing if Dame does join the Miami Heat. But for all intents and purposes, he wants to be here, and that's that's pretty cool. If you, no, I mean, I don't think I was wrong, was I? I mean, I, I did say I don't think he would request a trade, but um, or at least along those lines. But it was more of a like a believe it till I see it type thing. And he eventually requested. It's been nine days since his trade request. Um, and it's been a lot of, I mean, we're probably going to get into it, but it's just been a lot of like media fodder. Yeah, as it should be. It's the last nine days. And it, I mean, it, there hasn't been a whole lot of new reporting. I mean, there was at the beginning where it was like, okay, it was Miami and Brooklyn. And then it suddenly became Miami. And then we've seen what his agent has been saying and reporting. Not him, his agent reporting, but his his agent telling media members and then them reporting that he only wants to play in Miami and he would, I don't even know the exact words, but it was like throw a, like a hissy fit for lack of a better word if he wasn't gonna if he wasn't gonna get traded to Miami and that he wouldn't necessarily play for the team that he gets traded to if he was in Miami. Um, so it's been a lot of that. I mean, there's been a lot of discourse online being like, who has the best offer? Is it Miami or is it another team? Who is it? Is it going to be a three-team trade, four-team trade, 16-team trade? Who, how many players are going where? Like, what's going on here? These deals haven't been made official yet, and that was before the moratorium. And it's just, it's just been a whole lot of that, and it's been a whole lot of bickering online from yours truly included um, over the last, I don't know, again, nine days. So. That's just kind of where we're at. And if I'm giving you like the briefest summary possible, I know we'll probably get into the deeper nitty gritty of it, but yeah. So one of the questions that I had like heading into the whole Dame stuff was if the Miami Heat knew something that we didn't, right? Because listen, when Bradley Beal got traded to Phoenix and they basically got him for nothing, right? I was like, I was so pissed at the Heat. I was like, they got Bradley Beal and they didn't have to give up a single asset to get him. And I was like, like we could easily beat that offer, right? And so yeah. all the reporting was, oh, they're gonna wait on Dame. And like Hannah Fan probably was thinking was like, man, that's a pipe dream. Like he's never asked out, why would he do it now? But they sat in their chair and they waited. And then all the reporting was like, you know, Barry Jackson and Anthony Chang, they were all like, what has to happen is Dame has to ask out and say, I only want to go to Miami. And then that's exactly what happened. Right, and here we are nine days later, just waiting for Joe Cronin just to fold and you know send him here for you know whatever we can give him. Yeah, well, Andy Ellis. I'm just we're just basically letting Andy Ellisberg cook at the moment, and uh, we'll we'll kind of see what happens. Um, I saw a lot of uh, discourse around and be like, oh, like this is unprecedented, the and that kind of thing. In some ways, it's unique. In other ways, it's similar to other things like. Um, you know, if we throw it all the way back and only because I've been watching um, uh, the Los Angeles Lakers documentary on, on uh, Hulu, I guess it's on Hulu in the States and Disney Plus in Canada uh, called Lacey. It uh, had a big section on when Magic Johnson said, I will, I will I'll be requesting a trade because I don't want to play for Paul Weston. And ultimately what happened? Paul Weston got fired and Pat Riley became Pat Riley, uh, which is good for us. So thank you, Magic. Um, but, you know, it's like it kind of reminds me of that situation. Um, at the same time, you know, it's uh, it's weird because, like, I get I get why other fan bases are pissed off because Dame doesn't have a no trade clause. But Beal could do this and pick his destination because of the no trade. Um, but I don't think I've ever seen an agent kind of make the rounds and basically say like, "Yeah, you can trade for him, but he'll probably not report to training camp." Um, so, how do you guys feel about that? I mean, 
when you look at it from that, like usually just superstars get their way in the end. Like there's been only really one example that I can think of off the top of my head, maybe two that that wasn't the case. And it was, I mean, Kawhi when he requested when he wanted LA and then he gets sent to Toronto, they eventually win the title. He goes to the Clippers anyways. And then when I guess like the Paul George, like, okay, see thing, but I don't know how, I don't remember that a whole lot, but I don't think he, I don't think like OKC was on his list originally. Um, but like we can, we can look at, I mean, I don't, I don't fault his agent because I mean, that's ultimately like your job as an agent is to cater to the player. And if your player, if your client specifically states, I only want to play for Miami, then you have to make that abundantly clear that you want to play for Miami or team X in this example. And like with Dame, I think I've talked about this with you before, Brandon, but like he had the closest thing to a no trade clause without having a no trade clause because of the equity he's built with that organization. And so after what, 11, 12 years of being a part of that organization, you probably should get somewhat of a say about what your future looks like, especially after multiple years of you either signing an extension or just buying into the, okay, we want to build around Damian Lillard, even though they did trade CJ McCollum two years ago. They did trade Josh Hart deadline. They did draft two teenagers over the last two years. Like these have been moves that signify that he's not, they're, that they're not contending. And so at, at what point, I mean, this was kind of your point before Brandon, like at what point is he at some point he's going to request out because it's, and for me, I mean, at the time I was like, I don't, I mean, he's never shown signs of doing it, but like, even you could just see by the tea leaves and the previous moves made by the Portland organization leading up to that point that they weren't in any part a cont- in contention and they weren't making contending moves because they were, I think the, you, I think the word, uh, I think it was Brian Windhorst uses like quiet quitting or something like that. Like you're not hourly saying that you're rebuilding, but you're trying to like sell this pseudo like quasi contending. And then you're just not, it's just not convincing anybody. Which is the exact opposite of what Cronin is doing in all right. the press conferences. Right. I saw someone like tweet, like a timeline of his press conferences, like over the past couple of years and basically saying, we're going to be aggressive. We're going to get Damon's help. We're going to build a championship roster. But then, like, you go through every single thing that you've just mentioned, it's been the exact opposite of right. what they're doing. No one should be surprised about this. And we've, I mean, we, everybody said this, right? Like, no one's surprised that Dame wanted out. They just don't like that he wants to go to Miami. You know, it's, it's funny because I had some discourse on Twitter about this um, this week where it's like, it's weird because if it was another team, it's it's all of a sudden like, okay, yeah, like, oh, get Dame out of there. Get him to hire passers. And it's like, it's Miami or get him to be your passers, but it's Miami. It's like, oh, no, not these guys again. You know, like, you know, just when I thought we were done with the anchor from the big three, it's like, it's, it's straight out of the Godfather three, right? Like, just when I was out, they pulled me back in. And, and basically everyone's angry at the heat again. And on a certain level, I love it. Because, you know, it's it's fun being the most hated team in sports. And it's just, it makes me laugh that um, the Heat went from dangerous loomers, you know, and like every, even now, like when people talk about, oh, what's next season going to be like, they don't even have the Heat in almost playoff contention or like, oh yeah, well, they still have to beat the Bucks and the Celtics. Like we haven't already done that, you know? Right. It was like Stephen A. Smith saying, if we get Dame, then we're in contention with the Bucks and the Celtics. I'm like... Uh, we just we're, it's not like we're two and one against them each. <laughs> yeah, over the last like what four years. Yeah. And Jimmy just put on a master class on deer hunting in the first round, and and then uh, and then you know Celtics series went a little bit longer than I would like, but it's still got her done. You know, it's 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 one of those. But you know, look, we're we're just basically waiting at this point. Um, most. This felt a lot like in terms of reporting, um, like when Jimmy came to the Heat, you know, just in terms of who was saying what and, you know, like, oh, the feeling is that it's going to happen. And then most of the reports that I see right now and not just from like the super secret account of dropping dimes 50, who I love. um, But, um, you know, all the discourse seems like they're just waiting to figure out a bigger trade. I, I just like I hate when stuff like this happens and kind of players get um more or less underrated um like i think 
Tyler is a pretty fantastic player. Um, and he has been, he was a six man of the year, literally a year ago. Um, and, uh, you know, for, you know, to him being kind of brought up to me as not a good player and not a valuable piece, I think is a complete BS. If he does go to Brooklyn, I think he'll be fantastic there. I think he'll be fantastic on pretty much any team he goes to. Everyone forgets that this man is 23 years old. He is nowhere close to even entering his prime. And uh, he's already shown that, you know, how many 40 point games does a dude need to get before you can respect him is all I'm saying. Um, what, I, what I hate about the discourse around Hero is that there's no way in the world if we weren't if we weren't let's say we're a terrible team there's no way in the world we're trading Tyler, Tyler Hero for a first round pick. Yeah, he's worth more than that. He's a in back to back seasons he's averaged over 20 points a game, and yeah, you're right. Like he's but that's all we're going to get out of him to facilitate this trade is probably first round pick. And the thing with Tyler, it's like. The, the other players that, again, I want to say, I don't want to generalize fans, but just people are throwing into, like, not to disrespect this player, because I think this player is actually better than Hero, but Tyrese Maxey. Well, the main counter argument against Tyler Hero being in this deal is, well, Portland have too many s- small score first guards or whatever the excuses. And it's like, isn't Maxey the same thing? Like, I think they're closer than what people think Tyler is. And I don't know, like, I you've, you've probably seen it. You guys have probably seen it online where it's like, well, Jordan Poole had to get first first round picks attached to him to, to get off him. And it's like, well, no, that was a completely isolated circumstance. A teammate punched him in the face. He had a bad year. Probably the worst year, worst year he'll have in his career. He was throwing the ball over the place throughout the season. Not that Jordan Poole's a bad player, but that was just a completely isolated circumstance. With Tyler Hero, it's not going to be that way. He's coming off another 20-point-per-game season. He didn't have, I don't want to say, like, probably the best year to his standards. I thought the year before was a little bit better. But just in general, Tyler's not a bad player. He's a better playmaker than both of them. He's a better defender than both of them. Maybe not by much, but he is a better defender. And, like, I don't don't really know where this – I mean, Tyler's been very heavily criticized by this own fan base. For they love to hate him. pretty much since he's been a rookie. And like I remember Zach Lowe wrote a piece before the season started about him being one of the most polarizing players in the league. And I and I think that's true. I think at least to me, I'm more probably pro Tyler than I am anti-Tyler. But there's a lot of people who just don't like Tyler and just think he's a bad player. And I just haven't fully understood it. And I guess it's, that's just how it works. But like I don't think he's some negative asset. I mean, people look at the contract. And it's like, yeah, he gets paid $120 million over four years. That extension kicks in this year. It's not like it kicked in last year. It kicks in this year, and so he still has time to improve. Obviously, he hurt his hand, and so that might stem some stem some uh, offseason stuff. I have no idea. But, like, he, it, as to Brandon's point, he's still only 23. He wasn't tradable last season because of the poison pill provision that was put on his contract once he signed it. And so it's not like the Heat just couldn't, like, trade him or whatever – uh, or they were looking to trade him, but couldn't. They really couldn't. And so now that has been uh, not released, but it's been uplifted. And so now Miami's able to trade Tyler Hero, and now he gets labeled as like a negative asset. Like I just don't, I don't completely get it. I mean, 30, 30 mil a year right now, especially when the cap starts going up, like it's going up. I mean, the TV, the new TV deal for the league is going to kick in in two or three years with the new CBA. The cap can't go up 10 more than 10% each year, but it's probably going to be eight, nine, 10%. You're going to be looking at caps beyond the, I can see. And so like 30 million a year right now, or at least what it's going to be in three or four years, it's different than it is now. And so I don't, again, just how that ages, I don't think that's going to be, I, I don't think it's like a bad contract. I don't think him on Portland or him on Brooklyn would be bad fits. I agree with Brandon. It's going to be a good fit, but I just don't get the entire point about him being like a negative asset, in my opinion. He, he's not Tyler Johnson, not to slander like former <laughs> players, but it's like I feel like people are people are getting their Tyler's mixed up. He was getting twenty mil a year. Remember that? Yes. <laughs> or at least twenty mil on the back on the final two years of that deal. But he made it. Tyler Johnson made his money, and good for him. Throw back to the brothers Johnson. I love James, and I love Tyler when they're on the team. <laughs> And shout out to Brooklyn for taking the back end of that contract, too. Man, they wanted him in the first place, too. It's like they really went in on getting Tyler Johnson. 
<laughs> Do you guys think that um, Brooklyn will help facilitate this this trade? I don't know how I feel about it because it's like, okay, you were one of the teams that were rumored for Damian Lillard, at least at the very start, but now you're going to help Miami get him, even though you're taking on Tyler Hero. Like, they're going to probably be trading those Suns picks, which could be valuable in a few years, just depending on how that core ages. But what do you guys think about that? I just want to get your thoughts because I, I don't know. I'm kind of back and forth on it. I mean, I believe that there are probably there's probably some truth to it, but I just don't really know like where I stand on it. Look, if we, can we talk? Or uh, I'm gonna, let me just say this really quick. For, if we take it from a marketing perspective, and this is pretty much where I'm going to tackle it, but for, as a professional, um, you want Tyler Hero in New York City. Uh, he's the type of guy who's very Miami, and he fit perfectly there. You, he is not a Portland guy, you know, it's like he wouldn't vibe well there. But from a fan perspective, yeah, you want Tyler Hero in New York City. You have a nice young core with Bridges there and uh, Cam Johnson. And now you're getting Hero, who's like an electric player. James Harden and Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are not walking back through that door. And you need to put butts in seats. The Nets fan base was growing pretty quickly, and you need to find a way to have at least a little bit of star power so you can make some fan favorites from that alone. And the amount of Nets Tyler Hero jerseys you'll sell, he is a good player to add to your team. And from the fact that he's he's just a pure hooper anyway. And uh, they have a nice debate. Like, the players develop well in Brooklyn. Like, you can continue to make him good. I will uh, pass it over to Matt. Yeah, I was just going to say what I think – ultimately is going to happen is exactly what Aaron Goodwin is trying to facilitate is that everyone's going to get scared away. Dame doesn't want to go anywhere, but there. And so what's going to happen is there's going to be a smart team, maybe Brooklyn, maybe San Antonio who gets involved and says, you know what, we'll help this happen, but we, you know, we want, we want to be a part of it. And that's where Tyler is going to go. And so exactly what Brandon is saying, Tyler is going to fit in a lot of, places like he's a he's a great player he's a great asset to your team brooklyn i think matt what your what your question is is like why would brooklyn help miami right like, right why would that's it? kind of where i'm leading to because it's like i i get it if you want to if you want to acquire dame but yeah i mean again tyler hero is not a bad player and it's like if i get tyler hero for a couple first round picks picks that aren't even my own even though they might be value valuable picks i would definitely consider it but like if it's for the player that i'm targeting too like Right. To your guys' point, and to kind of what we mentioned earlier, they might not want to play anywhere else. And so it's like, okay, maybe at that, maybe if that's actually the truth and that's actually the case, then maybe I'm be, I'd be more willing to help them. But So I think that's what's going to happen at some point is Brooklyn's going to recognize, hey, like Brooklyn's not any closer to winning a title than Portland is, right? And so in Dame, by what they – would have to send out to get Dame. It's not, that's not going <laughs> to, Dame isn't going to go to Brooklyn and they're going to be the favorites in the East. That's not what's going to happen. So I think what Brooklyn will eventually realize is the timeline that they're on is going to be different than the timeline that Miami's on. And so by taking on Tyler Hero, even though you're facilitating Dame to Miami and potentially making Miami a, a, a much better team than they were, that team is still on probably a three-year window. Right. Mm -hmm. But I mean, by the time Jimmy and Dame are 36, like, yeah, they're going to be good, but they're not going to be great. Right. And so mm -hmm. if they get Dame, they're going to be, they've got a couple of years to get it done, but then they're going to be in a lot of trouble, but there's no obstacles. Okay. So if, if Brooklyn helps in this, they're basically saying we're on a different timeline and yeah, you can have a couple of years of that, but if you give us hero and all of a sudden hero, when he's 26 and in his prime, Brooklyn's in a much better place than not being involved, right? And so I those are the pieces that have to happen is Brooklyn's got to say, okay, yeah, we're we're not winning the title in the next two or three years, so whether we help you or not to get Dame doesn't matter if we're getting a piece that builds us into our future. Right. And it's like with those as kind of just building off of that, that's why I think those 28 and 20 or 2028 and 2030 picks for Miami are a little bit more valuable than people think. Yeah, it's only two first-round picks. I would have liked if Miami would have freed up or at least pushed back the restrictions for the OKC pick in 25 just to 26, and so they could have they could trade their 24, 28, and 30. But right now you're just, you're just with two tradable first-round picks, 
outside of the swaps. But that, to your point, if there's comes to if it comes to a point where yeah, Miami's going to always want to contend, but like if 2030 comes, we don't know what's going to happen with this core. I mean, yeah, you want to win a title. If you win one title in 25 or 26 or whatever, then or 24, like it, it all becomes worth, it, you know. But if you trade those picks and it somehow you, you bottom out in those by 28 or whatever, kind of around that time, well, then those picks become inherently more valuable than just 20 pick number 25, you know, like that's where I think those are a little bit more valuable. I mean, again, you just it, it's kind of like the thrill and unknown thrill of the unknown. You're just betting on Miami stinking. That's kind of like with the, with the Phoenix thing, like you're just betting on Phoenix stinking in 2027 or whenever those picks are. I don't remember the exact years, but you guys get my, what I'm, do you think that point. teams don't value Miami's picks because they know how we operate? I like, do think there's some truth to that. We're not going to bottom out no matter how bad we get. <laughs> well, bottoming it out like them being like near the lottery. Like you just don't know. That's the thing. Though, it's like Miami's had one, one pick in the top 10 in 15 years. What's um? What's the worst season that we've had in the last like six years? It would, it would have been D Wade's last season, right? Um, it would have been it would have been Bam's pick at thirteen. Yeah, it would have Bam or Tyler. Was that um? Did Bam, Bam came right after uh, 11, 30, and thirty and eleven, right? Um. Yeah. Yeah, they I were, think so. Bam and Tyler were two years apart. Yeah. They missed the playoffs by one game. And it was because Brooklyn played their starters that year. Yeah. So Brooklyn Osis, the, the shit. Which gave us Bam. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like uh, everything's it kind of works. It's like, like I don't think Miami's going to be like be a working top together. Ten pick. <laughs> yeah, it's, it kind of seems like it. Um, I will What'd say. Uh, so, what? What did, what did you say? I was like, I don't think Miami's going to be a top 10 pick. I just think they're going to be, it's going to be worse than like the back end of the first round. Also, with the second apron, who knows? Because Miami might be over – they might be over the second apron two of the four years, and so that means it just gets freezed at the end of the first round. So maybe we're just what I'm – maybe all of what I just said is moot. But. Yeah. I was um, – you know, even with what uh, the agent is saying, I'm still surprised uh, Bobby Webster and Masai Ujiri didn't try to make another Kawhi play because they have assets, and – I was expecting them to do it, uh, but I think the Raptors are in, a, in an interesting spot right now. Um, What's I, the Siakam buzz over there? Um, it, it's 50-50, basically, in, term, in terms of like the media coming out of here. Uh, yeah, it's like some people are saying Atlanta. Atlanta um, was the hot. They're a but hot like, one, but that's... Also, it like people want to trade them? Well, it kind of contradicts what uh, everyone loves spicy pea in Canada. Um, but like uh, at the same time, um, it's interesting too, uh, based on what they were saying, because they said like, oh, we feel like we're not that far behind the Miami Heat. And it's like, yeah, okay, cool. If that's the case, like keep your um, your player who was absolutely fantastic last season. You know, I know you lost Freddie, but there's a good chance you might get Kyle again. And, uh, you know, um, depending on what happens in the next little bit. Um, but you know, it's they're still a competitive team. Like I think Grady Dick will be a good player for them. Uh and Scotty Barnes is continuing to develop and they have a good player development. So I don't know. If I was the Raps, I wouldn't like they just lost a fan favorite in Van Vliet. I wouldn't be in a hurry to to trade uh, Pascal. Like what what player are you even gonna get back from that? From like Atlanta. You're probably uh, uh, I was gonna say like DeAndre Hunter, maybe another player in like a few picks. I don't know. I don't think Something it makes like the Raptors better, to be honest. But hey, like whatever. This is not a Raptors podcast. And I got enough of that on TSN. So uh, <laughs> we're good to jump. Um, happy about Josh Richardson returning, even though Matt told me it would never happen last pod. What? You told me it would oh, never happen. Did, did I say that? We audio receipts, man. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. I'm going to. Maybe I should say Damian Lillard will never get traded to the Miami Heat so we get straight to the next podcast. I don't know. You said the last podcast and it's working that way. <laughs> did I really? I don't remember saying that about Josh. I probably did. I just don't remember. That's been dude. Our last pod was like three weeks ago. I've yeah, I was I was going through a list of free agents and like um, a lot of them were ex Heat fans or ex Heat players, and you were like, 
You're like, would you want just all the players to return to the Heat? <laughs> and I was like, yes. <laughs> you get Goron, James Johnson. Kendrick Nunn's coming back. <laughs> I'd rather have Gogi. No disrespect <laughs> to Kendrick Nunn. I just think Gogi has more in the tank, and that's saying something. Hey, I think and the injury history. And Richardson for that contract. That's great, man. Like that is a that's a solid pickup. The fact that he turned down some more money to come here to be with Spo. Um, I'm not I'm not expecting him to go back to 16 points a game like he did his last year in Miami. I don't think that's the trajectory of of where he's going. But to fit in, I mean, we've all seen like you know the lineups that you could put out there. Like he's going to fit in and not be expected to do much other than to hit a jumper. So um, I think it's good. Hey, here's something I want to – I would throw out there. Yeah. Did you guys see the uh, the headline that said about Gabe Vincent? Which was the contending team one? Yeah. <laughs> I did see that. Yeah. No, tell me, tell me. I missed so, Gabe, so the headline was that Gabe Vincent chose the Lakers to play with a contending team. Something that had to be taken out of context there. That's right. just where I'm gonna. I want to see more. Co- I don't think I, I. I don't think I saw the full quote, but that okay. was a very mysterious story. Because I mean, they were the seven seed. Last. I mean, they didn't make it to the Western Conference Finals, but I mean, and the Gabe, Lakers, I think, are better than they were last year, right now. Sure. But, but everything I read about Gabe was that he really wanted to come back to Miami. They just weren't meeting the number. Here's here's my theory. And this kind of builds off of what Matt said earlier in the podcast about Miami possibly knowing something. Did Miami not want to go above 8 million because they had an idea that Dame was going to request or, cause I mean, there was, I don't remember who the Portland reporter was. It might've been Fentress, but there was one, there was at least, I don't know if it was Fentress or Hiken or whomever it was, but they said the Monday before free agency, they met with Dame and like Dame kind of like indicated that he wanted out. And Cronin was like, give me more time, like for just like paraphrasing when I say that. And so like they kind of already had an idea. Yeah. Like, so it's like, yeah. And that was like that weird, like press release that Cronin had that I don't think really anyone believed. I can't remember exactly what it was, but like, we're we're like, we're, we're, we're going to stick to building contender, like whatever niche quote that he had. And so like, do you think Miami knew something about that when, they met with Gabe because they met with Gabe that week. And I think it was in Southern Cali and they met with him and being like, all right, we're not going to go above the three for 24 or whatever the number was. It was something like that. Yeah. Listen here. If, if Dame once wanted to come to Miami, right. That wasn't something he just decided on Saturday. Right. 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 Him and Jimmy and Bam have been talking. They're talking to Pat, like they know. Right. They knew right. that this was coming. That's why they passed on Beal. That's why they didn't give that off of that too much money for Gabe. Because here's the other thing. Gabe went apparently went to be a backup like in LA. I think he's gonna start. Okay, you think they spend that money and put <laughs> Do you think that Gabe Vincent is the starting point guard? He played great in the playoffs, but that man is quite inconsistent in the regular season. And I, I think like, he I think he will start in LA. I think if Miami, if if they were truly wanting to get paid Gabe that money, I think he they would have paid him to be a starting point guard. But ultimately, they, again, that's where I go back to like, all right, we don't want to go above eight million because guess what? If Dame comes here, you you're not going to be starting. And so, do we really want to pay eight million for a backup point? Start guard? over D'Angelo Russell. Hey, we paid twenty nine yeah. million for a backup last year. So, <laughs> fair enough. Fair point. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. We'll reserve judgment on Gabe until we get uh, some context for these words because uh, that's, that's Miami fair. is definitely a contender. However, I do not want to speak this into existence, but if the Dame thing falls apart for Miami, we're looking at a catastrophically awful offseason. It's, to, lose, it's, to lose Gabe it's, and Max, and now most of your other free agents are gone. They still don't have any cap space. 
We still got Duncan who replaces Max, which that's I think okay. that's fine. But we're talking about trying to get better than we were last year. Yeah, and Josh we don't get name. Yeah, Tyler. We we, <laughs> we still have Tyler, and hopefully yeah. he gets better and and doesn't demand a trade after <laughs> after all this. But on media day, <laughs> I don't know, man. Like it, uh, I have confidence that it's going to happen because of everything that's been reported and what Goodwin is doing, but. If Cronin just sticks to his guns and says, you know what, we're going to Kawhi you and we're going to send you where we want to, uh, Miami's in trouble. From- and they'd be a second apron team, regardless. Yeah. From what's left on Unless the they move off of like Kyle or if they move off of Tyler, which it just feels like a, it yeah, feels like even if they don't do a move. Do yeah. Even if they don't make a move with Dame, which again, I think they're going to. I'm agreeing with you guys on that. But like, even if they don't, I still think Tyler gets moved because I just think. To some extent, that's broken beyond repair. I think he's so been too. in trade rumors for three years, and now it feels like to a point where it's like it's not even just like him being involved in trade rumors. It's like his teammates are pushing for Dean. And like for Tyler in that instance, how do you come back to that? If so, it's like I think he they would move him anyways. I don't know for what, and I don't even want to think about that because I think he's. Again, I think he's in some, whether he's going to Portland, which I don't think, or if he's going to some third or fourth team as a connector or whatever for picks that they send to Portland, I think he's gone in that deal. But, like, that would be a pretty catastrophic offseason, even though I do think there is a world where Josh is better than both Gabe and Max, at least in terms of productivity and, like, what he brings to the table. Because, I mean, he is a bigger, stronger, lengthier player and shot 36 and a half percent from deep last year he could be a 9 10 point per game scorer maybe just like both of them i mean yeah they have different skill sets but i think there is a world where he could be like a better two-way player than both of them um, Josh has improved in some ways too like uh, just in terms of like three-point efficiency and everything too he was like i think his highest three-point season with the heat was like 38 percent, and like he shot 40 percent. i think with the spurs or the pelicans like, i got double check yeah. there, there was a stretch when he was with miami where he just wasn't missing but like oh, yeah. who knows i don't again i don't think he's going to get back to the 16 point per game score that's just not his role allocation for this group as opposed to what leading the team in shots or being close to leading the team in shots when in, in 18 or 19. Huh? And like, I, I, he still has explosions. And like, if you look at his career since he left the heat, he went to Philly, he played decently for Philly. And then what he was in Dallas, Boston, San Antonio. And then, um, and then the Pelicans, his guys had no career stability since he left Miami. It's hilarious to me that every time he does an interview, it's always about the Miami heat. Um, like, I feel like Spo knows how to use him well. I don't. You're right. I don't think he'll be a 16 point uh, per game guy, but I think he'll have. He'll still have those games. I still have flashbacks to uh, the Jay Rich uh, scoop layup uh, that he used to pull out, like uh, all all, uh, all through the beginning of his career to get buckets. And you know, it's like I still. I think he'll be serviceable. Um, I think he. I think he'll find consistency again. I think is the best way to put it. And uh, that would that would that would be nice because like. As much as I love Max and as much as I love Gabe, consistency was not a part of their game on season. Like I know Max has signed like a big deal and like love the guy in the playoffs, but man, I wanted to punch a ball sometimes during the regular season with this guy. And I feel like I'm not the only one. So, Fair. Sorry, Max. You're still cool, man, but like, dude. <laughs> I don't think I would you if you had cap space, would you have given him four for sixty-three? No. Okay. Not with Duncan on your roster. Um I, I I'll, I'll, I've said this to a lot of people, but I'll say it again too. It's like um a lot of people get upset when he kind of get like let these guys go, like a uh, homegrown assets like Gabe Vincent and uh, Max Juice and like that kind of thing. But also the heat generally find another like we had Duncan Robinson that he just randomly popped up with Max Drews you know what I mean Gabe Vincent all came through the system Josh Richardson came through the damn system you know they 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 get these guys and uh, out the mud and they develop them into really serviceable players and they go on and they make big bucks and it's just great to see but it's like you know when you lose a player like this or, or like Gabe and like Max the Heat can generally find another one 
um, and find another diamond in the rough. They're they're that good at it. And it's like I also think Pat and Andy have learned through the uh, the Dion Waiters and James Johnson albatross, and you know are uh, not doing that again. Which is and Duncan, yeah, and Duncan. But you know, yeah, I don't know how I feel about Duncan. <laughs> Also, like, I mean, at least in Gabe and Max's instance, they're picking them from different organizations. It's true. like Gabe spent time with Boston and Chicago, and then Gabe spent – or no, that was Max who spent time with Boston and Chicago, and then Gabe spent time with Sacramento. And, I mean, same thing with Nunn. He was with the Warriors organization before he signed with Omer Yurtsev. I know that didn't work out, but he, he hey, they plucked him from the Thunder. Hassan like, yeah, Hassan Whiteside. <laughs> Caleb also Martin. from the Kings, like it, they're they're getting them from different organizations. It's not like they're just picking these guys off their summer league team. I mean, Duncan, that was the one case where they did, and I'm sure there's a few others that I'm just not thinking of. But like, they're picking these guys from different organizations who have somehow flamed out in their developmental system, and now they come to Miami and they're start thriving. So I don't know who that next player is. We really don't know who that next player will be, but. And they don't, the Heat don't let very many people slip through their cracks either. I mean, how many guys have been in our organization and we just – we missed it and they went on somewhere. I mean, Patrick Beverly is about the only one that you could point to that, uh, you know, we had at one point and then just didn't – just didn't ever commit to him. And he can't – obviously, he's been in the league for a long time. He's not like an all-star or anything, but – No, he's the, he's the Miami type pest. I feel like yeah, if yeah. we weren't getting LeBron, he would have had some good Miami years. <laughs> so, But, you know – Pat Beverly, LeBron, you know, you got to pick one. <laughs> Matt, you've been watching these games. You've been checking out the team during Summer League. Tell us, uh, tell us what, well, tell me what I'm missing. Just, you know, a little busy. The confusing part of this podcast is I don't know who you're referring to. So can you please specify? I'm referring to you, man. You were on the Twitter and you've been watching Summer League. Uh, yeah, I guess it gets it's tough. Um, I'm not referring to anyone as Matt One and Matt Two. I find that degrading. Today's game was ugly uh, in terms of like they had 28 turnovers, they had 16 turnovers in like eight, the first 18 minutes. Um, they lost 73-70 to the Phoenix Suns. Drew Peterson missed a potential game-winning three uh, from the corner. Off a beautiful pass, I think it was from Bouye. Um, but, like, my main takeaways from this summer league is, like, it sucks because, I mean, we haven't really seen a lot of uh, Jaime Jaquez after the first game because he injured his shoulder. Um, in their second game against the Kings, he he left early. I don't remember how many minutes he played, but it was, only in some, it was somewhere around, like, 15 to 20. Um, he hasn't played in these two Vegas games yet. Um, Jovic hurt his ankle uh, in their first game against Boston. He didn't play the final five and a half minutes, um, or he got ruled out with in the final five and a half minute, five and a half minutes. He didn't play like the final like seven, eight, nine minutes, and he didn't. He did. He, he wasn't really getting many touches today because there were so many turnovers. But he still missed all six of his shots. Uh, he missed his first two free throws. So he didn't score his first point until like the second half. Um, but like in general, I think Jovic has looked good. I mean, the thing that's impressed me most with Jovic is like, you can obviously tell he's a lot stronger than he was last year. I mean, we saw, he, he said in the uh, end of season presser that he, he was, he was at 220 when he got drafted. And now he, he then he was at 239. He's probably, so he's gained roughly 20 pounds of muscle since he got drafted last year. And like, that's so last hard year. It is very hard to do. Um, and especially with him, like he was injured for part of the season because he had, he had, he had the back injury. True. And, and so like, that's incredibly tough to do. And it, you can just tell, like you can visibly see with your eyes, how much stronger he's gotten, especially in his upper body. And like, he even, you can even see that he's like moving guys. Like he, he has more core strength than I think that he had last year. I mean, last year we saw it with, uh, Drew Smith was also on the summer league team last year. Michael Mulder was there as well. And it's like, Jovic wasn't getting touches at all. And outside of that one Warriors game where he had like 23 points this year, he's getting a lot more touches. I mean, he wasn't really today, but like just in general, he's getting a lot more touches and he's a lot more confident with just getting to the rim. Like he's attacking closeouts well. And then even in like transition when it's like a three on two or even like with a three on three or four on four or whatever, like, He's making it a point to get to the rim when the ball's in his hands. And even if those lanes are being closed off, he's making the right decisions at the right time. 
And like just that in and of itself is so much more encouraging than what we saw last year because he was a little bit more timid. Like you could tell he was his his shot was a work in progress. Like now he's been getting looks from beyond the arc and he's very confident. Like he's he's not he's not holding the ball for two or three seconds before he makes a decision. It's oh, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna catch it and go, or I'm gonna catch it and shoot, and I'm not gonna it's it's gonna look in rhythm. And at least from his perspective, like that looks a lot better. Him defensively, I think in space, he's looked better. Like there's been times where he's been in switches and he's held up on his own. I mean, I know Keegan Murray kicked, cooked him a little bit in that second California classic game, but Keegan Murray put up 41. He cooked every, like he was cooking Jamal. He was cooking Jovic. He was cooking everyone in front of him. Um, but I think in general, he's held up defensively. Another guy I want to talk about is Orlando Robinson, who had 36 and 11 in, against Boston. Uh, the thing that, I mean, I've watched Orlando Robinson since he, was, since he was at Fresno State. The thing that he showed his senior season at Fresno State was he could shoot the long ball. And he only he only shot two and a half, three, three-point attempts a game. But he was doing it at like a mid-30s clip. And he didn't really show that last year in his first season with Miami. He was kind of limited. And he wasn't, he, it didn't look like he was confident in his stroke yet. And this year, I mean, we we saw, I mean, he went one of three from deep today. He went, I think, three or four from deep in that Boston game. And he, I think he hit a couple of threes in that in that first Lakers game. But, like, he's showing that he has the range now, and he's confident with that. And that's encouraging for him. And that's just, like, a developmental, like, yeah, you want to be a stretch by, stretch big or at least become – pose that threat of being a stretch big. Like, that's really encouraging. And then I think, like, he still has to work on his touch and, like, being physical with guys that are bigger than him or at his size. But especially in that Boston game, within 10 feet of the rim, he was – his shot – and his touch was really good. And regardless of where he was at, regardless of where he, if he was at the short corners or the dunker spot, or if he was near the free throw line in that semicircle, like his, his, his touch was really good. And like, that's something I want to consistently see out of him specifically. It's like, there's been times where he he's going up against a guy who's seven foot or seven foot one. And he looks like he's a little outman physically, but in that Boston game, albeit it being summer league, he, he was being the bully. He wasn't being bullied. He was and, showing you a lot of the things that you want to see in a compliment to Bam, right? Because right, right. The things that he was doing, the way that teams play Miami and those pick and rolls, you know, where they're they're covering, they're 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 trailing and they're dropping at the same time, which leaves that short pass into the into the lane where Bam always hits that little quick little shot. Orlando Robinson was doing that. Mm-hmm. Like, where was that? Like, it almost made me feel like. Uh, Man, if he was playing eight minutes a game instead of Cody Zeller, we might have won the finals. Like, you know? <laughs> right. But like the stretching, stretching yourself out to the three point line, didn't know he had that really. I mean, summer league gives you a little bit more freedom to to show your stuff, but um definitely been like a, a pleased viewing process of him as a prospect of going, uh, yeah, he he can play some minutes in the regular season and you're not gonna feel bad about it. Like he he can play. And defensively, like, especially in that, but he wasn't doing it as much today, but in that Boston game, they were blitzing him a lot and he was having to move his feet. He was having to cover like a wide range of the floor and he wasn't just dropping back. He he was blitzing their, like the opposing ball handlers and he was doing a, a fairly good job with it, I think. And so it's like, that's just another thing where it's like, they sometimes do that with Bam. They did it with Love a little bit. Like they, they, they'll throw it in there. And so just to him, it's, it's an encouraging sign. Again, it's summer league. So it's like some of this we have to take with a grain of salt, but it's just some of the developmental like things that he's improved upon him being able to like blitz opposing ball handlers, recover back to his guy without a couple passes being made and an open lamp being had. That's an encouraging sign of development. He has the active hands. He's creating deflections a little bit. Same with Jovich. Jovich has been done a good job tagging. He's been done a good job on the weak side of like creating those deflections and kind of baiting passes. And it's just like those little things, those are just good things that you, you want to see from these guys in summer. Like you want to see them taking, you want to see them progressing in certain facets of their game throughout summer league. And that's something I think a few of these guys found like Jamal came today went three or five from deep. His shot's been a little bit of a question mark throughout his time as a pro and just really throughout his basketball career but he's showing at least more willingness and he, it, it looks a little bit better than it did last year and it's just 
these are like the encouraging signs that you want to see from these second year guys, especially Yovich Kane and Robinson. So one of the things that, that, that uh, we've seen over the last couple of years is Miami really does use those two way spots. Like clearly it's been a pathway to two way to the roster. It's not just like something that they do. So what are your thoughts on Miami using two of their three spots on point guards with Drew Smith and, and Bouye? I don't love it, but I don't think it's going to remain that way. Like the thing with Miami that we've seen is they're also very willing to rotate their two-way guys in and out. Like they released, it felt like they've had Drew Smith on a two-way contract like three or four separate times over the last couple of years. Like, and I don't, and honestly, the way he's played in summer league, no disrespect to him because he's a pro and he's, and he's trying to make like a career out of it. But like he hasn't played well enough in summer league to justify him having a two-way spot. And so I don't think he'll be on a two-way, at least by the season, the start of the season. I mean, it's kind of hard to project this far out because we don't know what the implications of a Damian Lillard trade would be. Like not to say these two-way guys are going to vault into a standard spot, but like I wrote about a little bit yesterday for the site. Please go check that out at hothooks.com. I wrote about like who are the favorites to get that third spot. And one of the guys I had was Jamal Cain. But I think Jamal Cain, if there's like Damian Lillard trade where Miami will only have six or seven players on the roster after like post Damian Lillard, well then he might, there might be a case where he might earn a standard contract. And so you're looking at maybe not, maybe a Drew Smith does survive to the regular season or maybe he doesn't, but like you're going to be looking at different guys in those two way spots. And it's like, I don't love how they have, them both point guards right now. I don't know exactly why they did that, especially since Drew wasn't really on the summer league roster until that contract was signed and no one really expected it. But we've seen this with the organization before they go back to the guys that they like in the end. Like how many times was Briante Weber a part of this organization, at least at some point, yeah, like true. he was, he was a part of this organization. It felt like two, three, four, five times. Like it felt like he was just, I mean, he was a fun prospect in terms of like how good he was defensively, but like he was a part of this organization, a whole shit ton, pardon my language, but now we got to put same thing with tags. <laughs> <laughs> same thing. Same thing with Drew Smith. Like he's been on a two week contract with Miami. I don't know how many times, like it just feels like they like Drew Smith. And I like, to some extent, I, I see why they like him, but again, he hasn't justified a two way spot yet. And so I wonder if they rotate that in and out, instead of them just having him and Bouye on two-way contracts heading into the regular season. It'll be interesting to see. Um, it's always, it's always interesting to see like who, who makes it into preseason and then makes the cut. And you always get, you get a couple surprises too. So that's kind of where, where some Drew Peterson. Yeah. Drew Peterson's a guy that I'm looking out for to make a two-way contract. There you go. You heard it here first. Um, last thing I want to touch on, um, because there hasn't been a ton, there's been an information blast about it, but there hasn't been a ton, I think, into in terms of like semantics and how it's all going to go down. But I think you all know what I'm about to say, and that's the in-season tournament. So I'm curious, uh, I said, how you both kind of feel about it? Um, from what I understand, it's going to be what, Tuesdays and Thursdays or Tuesdays and Fridays? Tuesdays and Fridays. Tuesdays and Fridays. Um, I guess it starts in November and then finishes in December in Vegas. Good way to test the Vegas market, by the way. I'm a fan of that. Um, but uh, what do you guys think? Listen, I think that it's a good shot for the league to draw some interest early on in the season. I have a hard time thinking that anybody's any of those teams are really going to care a whole lot <laughs> until until – yeah. It, you happen to make it into the final eight. That's you make it into that final eight, then you're like, okay, let's see if we can win these games. But, you know, when you're sitting there going, it's just another regular season game, uh, pool play or whatever, you're not you're not uh, playing somebody who's, like, kind of hurt, kind of not for an in-season tournament. You know, so, like, I think there's some interest from a fan perspective, but from a team perspective, I don't think they're going to operate on – a whole different ball game of, of how they play. And unless that final eight, I, I could see them going, okay, Hey, let's just win a couple games here and be the first one to get that cup. Obviously there's money included. And so there's some, guys, you know, there's some, some people who are going to be like, Hey, let's, let's get this. Um, 
So I'm kind of indifferent about it. I could probably have my opinion change when the season starts because it is November basketball. And so you could be like, all right, let's let's see what happens here. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to watch. I see. I'm, I'm, I kind of feel the same way. Um, I am interested to see how, like, teams load manage this because it's like games aren't just going to be played on Wednesdays and Sundays. So – like if you have a back-to-back Friday, Saturday, like well, how are you going to manage that as an organization or a Thursday, Friday, whatever, or Monday, Tuesday, like how, how are you going to manage that? And like, at least for, at least for like teams who are upper echelon in the league, I don't think many of them like will have a whole lot of incentive with that, especially if they're in a situation where they're already like banged up or whatever. But like, I feel like a team like the Pacers, or a team like the Thunder are going to be the ones that like give a shit. Yeah. So and what happens to the what happens to the tournament if like those four teams that go to Vegas are like the Pace, <laughs> Thunder, Raptors, and Pelicans? What was the NBA going to be like? All right, let's slow. <laughs> it's, it's we, not, got the, we got the cup being given over. You know, it's honestly not bad though because you're featuring basically the future of the league. If that's the case, right? You got. Scotty Barnes, if it's the Raptors, you got Shea Gilgis Alexander, Luke Dort, and Shelly Chet, and uh, who's the dude with the really flowing name? I'm forgetting on the on the OPC. Giddy. Jalen Williams. Oh, not even. That was uh, Giddy. Barnes, yeah, and Giddy. Um, and then if it's the Pacers, you got Halliburton. Um, uh, and you got Halliburton. Bruce. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, who's the other team you said, Matt? Oh, New Orleans. I, I mean, maybe, I just said the Pacers and the Thunder because those are two teams that I like who are going to be, I think, better than people think. And the Thunder especially are just a pain in the butt to go against every night. Like, you, we've seen it. Like, there's even when you travel to OKC, like, just teams have, like, bad nights. But also just the Thunder care a lot, as they should, kind of like a Miami would if they were um, talent deficient, for at least a lack of a better term. Well, if you um, have a rookie contract too, Matt, like 500K a piece, right, I, I right. that. Right. And like the loser still gets 200K. I mean, I say that as an average citizen, so 200K to me looks like yeah. a lot. But again, like when it comes to this, I don't know how much that's going to incentivize like a Jimmy Butler to play if he's if he's, if his knee's banged up or something. Like I, I don't really know, but like at least since in Miami's bracket, they have the Bucks, Knicks, Wizards, and Hornets. So like the Bucks and Knicks are two teams that, again, that we saw these last playoffs. I'm sure Miami wants to beat all of them, but especially those two specific. I think it could, depending on how it's marketed, and I the, like I trust the NBA marketing team wholeheartedly. I think this has the potential to be pretty fun. I think there's going to be kinks. I do too. Um, you know, I think uh, there are going to be some growing pains with it, but uh, like just like the play, like I like the play in. I, I don't, you know, like I swear. Actually, after this playoffs, I really like the play. <laughs> um, but but you know, even before that, it added some weight to these games. And um, people hated the playing at first. Like, yeah, it made sense that first year that it you know it was cut short or whatever. But then after that, it was like, why are we doing this? And now it's like, all right, this is it makes things interesting. That's probably what's going to happen this year. It's like, why are we doing this? Uh, and then afterwards, like, okay, that's kind of fun. Like, <laughs> let's let's do that again. However. Going back to what Matt said, if Jimmy Butler didn't care to hold the Eastern Conference Championship trophy, I don't think he's going to care about the NBA Cup. But that's just my thought. <laughs> I agree. What kind of cup? I is agree. You think they'll take a um, you think they'll take a page off the Stanley Cup? You know, and kind of go that road, or uh, it's going to be a smaller cup? What do we think? Well, they showed a picture of it, right? They showed a picture. It didn't look good, in my opinion. I'll have to take it. Looks like a cup. I'll tell you that. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) But I mean, it's just like a fun brand of like on the more positive side of things. It's like a fun like competition. Like I'm a soccer for novelty, man. I'm in. I'm in. It it is, but like I don't think it's gonna be chalk. Like I think we're gonna see some upsets because again, a team might have a back to back or a team might be banged up or whatever the case is, you really can't project this far out. Uh, but like, there might be a world where I don't know, just thinking on the fly, like the Bulls win their thing. I don't. I'm just throwing names out there. I'm not saying the Bulls are, but 
like there's a there's a world where teams who were who didn't make the playoffs or who were near the bottom of their respective conferences, aka the Heat, um, make it to the final eight or to the final four, whatever it is. And like it being in Vegas, like I didn't think about that point, Brandon, before, but like that is a good way to test test the Vegas market. Absolutely. I'm wondering where they'll, where they'll play because um, I think uh, the Aces are playing at MGM Grand right now, right? At the, the Michelob, uh, Michelob Center. So it's like, are they going to use that arena or are they going to try to go bigger? You know, I They could go the- Thomas and Mack, which is the UNLV basketball stadium. They could go, I think New Orleans is still, I think, up. But like, there's plenty of different places that MGM is like, we see it every year with uh, like, I don't know how much you guys follow college basketball, but like especially like towards the, like the conference tournament season, there's like five different tournaments held in Vegas. Like there's so many, there's so many different basketball venues that they could, um, uh, that they can put this in. I don't know exactly which one it is. I don't know if that's been decided yet, but there's plenty of different options. If they're, if that happened to come about, like in the aces played in Vegas one night or whatever, like they, there's definitely more than one backup plan. That they I'm, probably have a place for that. I'm excited to see the merch. I want to see jersey patches. I want a really cool logo uh, for this in-season tournament, and I want it on the jerseys, um, just because I think it would look. I think it would look sick. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm excited. I mean, it, 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 it like adding weight to mid-season basketball is fantastic because, like, let's face it, you know, we're covering we're covering these games, and sometimes they're a slog to get through early in the season because it's you know maybe there's an injury or a player is just not playing up to his potential yet and there's growing pains and that kind of thing i mean this year um me and uh uh matt were pretty much in a personal hell like uh watching some of these games uh as the heat we all were we were just talking about it yeah yeah, yeah exactly exactly uh I, how many times on the pod this year did we say we're not having fun watching the miami heat how many that's episodes did we do before the playoffs? Because that—that's the number I want to say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like the playoffs changed everything. All of a sudden, it got real fun. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It was, it was like we paid our dues to the basketball gods all season long. Yeah. How much fun was that, guys? That was so much fun. Oh, everything. That was awesome. I just just thinking about it, I was like, wow, that's, that was a lot of fun. That that month and a half, two months. I was reminiscing. World beaters. It was David versus Goliath. We were David every time and turned into world beaters. It was it was amazing. And if Josh and now they never might get David Jimmy. What? If Josh Hart never injured Jimmy, maybe, maybe things are a tiny bit different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's I mean, like sometimes I lay in bed and I'm like, Goron and Bam didn't get injured in the bubble. <laughs> Could have won that. Yeah. You'd be the only one to think about that, Brandon. I'm, not, I'm definitely not the only one to think about it. I know. I'm just averaging 20 points a game. <laughs> Injuries happen. It sucks. But, yeah, no, that was like a big bummer. But, listen, he might get Damian Lillard. So, yeah. I, I say might, even though it's it might come to, like, it's it, may, it might be an if, not or it might be a win, not if. But, like, I don't know. I, I don't want to jinx it. So, I'm just saying – the, the Heat might get Damian Lillard, which would be a lot of fun as well. So we'll have to wait and see. But uh, until then, you know, you can catch up with us on at hotlahoops.com. Uh, boys, thank you so much for uh, coming out tonight. Matt, I hope you enjoyed your first time on the pod. Please come back. So, I, so basically, we, me, and, me and Matt don't start sounding like an old married couple on here. Uh, <laughs> we you didn't even address the Kevin Love signing, dude. I'm surprised you didn't. Do that yet? Thomas Well, no. I mean, we we talked about this as a as something that was going to happen, and you know me, I love Kevin Love, so I, I he's, the, he's king of the vibes. No, I mean, yeah, I, I had to take my medicine with that. Even though I do, I did predict that he would be back with Miami. Yeah, you did. You did, and I was happy for that. So, uh, yeah, I was wrong about. I wasn't wrong about everything. Just ninety-eight point nine percent of the things I say, I'm wrong about. So. Take that's, that into that's just you on the podcast in general, dude. That that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I'm wrong about a lot of shit. <laughs> the Kevin Love signing was not one of them. Ironically enough. Your dog has his day. Well, 
Uh, shout out to the listeners. Thank you again. And, uh, you know, you can, uh, you can just jump up on hoops, like subscribe, see Matt's uh, tweets and stuff. See me barely tweet, but get one. I got a couple good tweets in the summertime every summer. So, uh, so do that. You had a good one with Naveen today. I did. I did. That's, that's it. I got one. I got one more in me. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and follow Matt on Twitter too. Um, are you Panetta Heat on uh, Twitter? Yep, yeah, that's right. So follow, follow him. He got good takes. He's the real uh, – Matt, you've been writing for Hot Hoops just as long as I have, like probably a couple years before me at yeah, least. Yeah, started, started in 2013. So, there you go. Yeah. The yeah. better Matt. Matt Panetta is the better Matt. So, We're both really a decade into this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's been great, man. Hot Hoops has been a great community for me. And so, uh, yeah, thanks for having me on the – podcast today and uh back anytime you want brother exactly cool thanks everybody